part of what I want you to do is to think back on when you were saved and what that feeling was that you had when, when you really came to that understanding of who Jesus Christ is and who you are as a sinner and, and what you felt at that time. Um, different people come to salvation at different times in their lives in different ways. Some people, um, you know, it's, it's a, an accident or some very tragic thing in their life brings them to understand what that is. Some people, it's just through teaching and being around believers. Some people are brought up in Christian families where they, they hear the word and they know who Jesus is from a very young age. But we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 5 today when Jesus calls the first disciples. And if you think about this progression of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is we went through about Jesus coming and Jesus' early life and when he started his ministry and he was baptized by John the Baptist and then started to do those things that prophecy tells us that he's the Messiah. And then he was in his hometown of Nazareth where he declared he was the Messiah. And then last week we talked about him being in Capernaum where he started to not only preach and teach, but he started to perform some miracles so people could see the power that he had, that he did have the power and authority of God. And he could do the things that were called for in prophecy. He could make the blind see. He could make the deaf hear. He could heal people. He could drive out demons. And so we're progressing through this where we see, you know, if you will, when Jesus comes to earth, we see his development. We see him declaring himself the Messiah, and he starts his ministry and now the next logical step is Jesus is going to call disciples. And so we're going to talk about it in Luke chapter 5 today when Christ called the first disciples. So it's in Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. So if you remember at the end of last week's lesson, one of the things Jesus told the people of Capernaum was that his, his mission, his goal, was to go out and preach the good news of the gospel to more places because the, the people in Capernaum wanted him to stay there and to heal the people and to teach them. But he knew he needed to go out and spread the good news of salvation through himself as the Messiah. And so he started to do this. So he went um, to a place called the... Um, Lake of Genesaret, and it's another name, Genesaret's another name for the Sea of Galilee, which is a freshwater lake um, that's there in um, modern-day Israel, but at that time, it was a very important for commerce, and so they fished a lot. Fishing provided a livelihood for a lot of people. It provided food for a lot of people, but this is where Jesus decides to go, and so as he goes towards the lake, he sees boats there, you know, they would go out, the way they would fish is they would take nets, and they, they fished with nets. So they would go out on the lake, and they would cast their nets out, their drag nets, and they would drag that through the water, or sometimes they would drive, you know, they would make splashing sounds and stuff to try to drive the fish into the nets, and then they would pull their nets up, and that's how they would catch fish. And so while Jesus is there, the people are still following him, and they're still wanting him 
to teach. And he's trying to teach them, but the crowd is gathering around him. And so what Jesus does is he goes over to one of the boats. And remember, Jesus knows who Simon is because after he had preached at um, the synagogue in Capernaum, he went to Simon's house and healed his mother-in-law. So Jesus goes over and gets in Simon's boat and he says, you know, why don't you put us out on the water? So it takes some, some faith for Simon to do this because the way they fished is they would fish at night. And so think about this. If you're Simon and you just got your boat in and you're mending your nets and you're sitting there and it's the morning because you were out fishing all night and Jesus comes to you and says, I want you to get back in the boat and take me out on the water. Do you think Simon's tired? What do you think Simon's thinking about? <laughs> and, and that's part of it, what Verenia said, you don't know how to fish, is <clears throat> they, they through trial and error have figured out the best time for them to fish is at night. And so at night, the fish would come up close to the shore in the shallower parts of the water, and so they didn't have to go as far out and with shallower water, you don't have to have a bigger net to catch more fish. And so they just have figured out over time. That's when, you know, if you're a commercial fisherman and you're going to go out and catch a lot of fish for, for your family to eat and for you to sell to make money, you're going to go fish at night and do these things. So he's, he's already been out. They fished all night. He's tired. He's fixing his nets. He's basically getting ready to go home and go to bed because he's tired. But Jesus comes along and says, why don't you get in your boat, take me out. I just want to go out on the water. And, and Simon does this. And so what, why do you think Simon agrees to take Jesus out on the water? And, and so at this, at this point, he's not asking him to fish. He's just asking him to take him out on the water. So Simon's already had some experience with Jesus healing his mother-in-law. So he already knows who Jesus is, and he wants to trust Jesus. And so is this a big ask? He's really just saying, come on, let's just go for a boat ride. Let, let me get out on the water. And he doesn't want him to go out very far. And, and the reason Jesus wants to do this is when he gets in the boat and he gets out on the water a little bit, the people can't crowd around him. And so it kind of forces the people to spread out along the shoreline. And then while he's out on the water, it's going to help his voice project. And so by Jesus doing this, it gives him the opportunity for more people to hear him preach the good news of the gospel and to teach the scriptures and to talk to the people about that. And so part of it too it's not a big ask on Jesus's part for Simon he's just saying hey come on let's just do this for me and so Simon being faithful does that and uh, you know it says when he gets out there a little ways that that Jesus sits down and begins to teach but then when he's done teaching in verse 4 it says when he finished speaking he said to Simon put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch I think that's what Verenia was getting at, is now Jesus isn't just saying, you know, let's just go out for a little boat ride. It's going to be easier for people to hear me. You know, it's going to make my teaching available to more people. He's saying, now let's go out into the deep water and fish. Um, and it's, we, we've talked about this. It's already one of those things that now Simon's starting to say, okay, wait a minute. The good time for fishing has already passed. And now you're asking me to go out and, and do more fishing. And so we'll, we're going to read, um, read on here. And this is something where, what, what does the common sense of Simon, who's a fisherman, say about going out 
to deeper water in the daytime to go fishing. It doesn't make sense. It, for someone who's an expert in what they're doing, Jesus is asking him to do something that's out of the ordinary that would not follow common sense. And I think this is something that we in our lives need to be aware of is as we walk the path that, that God has called us to walk and we think about the things that he wants us to do, sometimes God asks us to do something that is out of the ordinary, that doesn't follow common sense because it's what God needs us to do. So if we don't have that faith in God and we don't listen to the prompting of the Spirit, when God's asking us to do something which doesn't seem like a good idea, but God's asking us to do it, that we should do that. And Simon understands that this is something that he should do, even though it goes against what he thinks. So let's see what Simon says. We're going to pick up in in Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 5 through 8. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them, and they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And so we get some more insight here where Simon is hearing Jesus ask him to go out into the deep water and to fish, to do something that normally doesn't work. And he's explaining to Jesus, he's saying, I'm tired. I worked all night long. Everybody on my crew has been out there. All we're thinking about is finishing, mending our nets so we're ready to go tonight when we have to go fish and going home and going to bed. But you're asking me to go out. And so Simon is having that faith to do that. One clue that lets us know that Simon is really starting to trust Jesus and have faith in him is he addresses him as master. So Simon understands, I think, who Jesus is, and he knows he has this authority. And so Simon's willing to do something that doesn't make sense to him because someone that he knows has power and authority from God is asking him to do something that's uncommon, but he's willing to do that. And so they go out, and and what's the result of Simon being faithful with his crew? When they go out into the deep water and they put their nets out, do you think when they're doing that, do you think they're really going to catch anything? No, because it tells us they were out all night doing what they know how to do best. They're good at this, and they didn't catch any fish. And so they're thinking, well, if the fish aren't out there for whatever reason, why are they going to be there now? But they trust Jesus, and they go out. And what, what happens? They get so many fish, it's starting to tear their nets apart. And so they fish with other people, and we'll find out soon who their partners are, but they're yelling at the other people in the boats that they fish with to come over and help them because they have such a big catch they can't possibly all bring those fish in themselves and so they come over and um and they have that and and so even though it goes against common sense this is something that as we read this story why do we know this makes sense because it's his plan and jesus is part of the triune god Jesus is the one who created all creation. Jesus is the one who knows if he wants fish to show up there and fill their nets, fish will be there to fill their nets. And so he knows what's happening, and he has, command, you know, he has control over the elements. 
And this is one of those things that shows them that they have this control over the elements. And so they go over. And what do you think is going through Simon's head while they're catching all these fish at a time when it shouldn't be happening in a place when it shouldn't be happening? He's right and I was wrong. But what do you think he's thinking about Jesus? A miracle. And that's the best way to describe it, is what's happening here. All these fishermen, for the most part, all of their physical experience as fishermen tells them if they go do what they're doing, which is fish in the daytime, out of the deep water, chances are you're not going to ever catch any fish. But they are catching so many fish, they need out several boats to come over to haul all the fish to shore. So they all recognize and know and understand that a miracle is happening. This is happening because Jesus is there, and it's his will that they catch all these fish. And in this way, he's showing them, if you'll obey what I tell you to do, you will be very productive. You will have more than you need to satisfy what you think you need, plus. And so... Simon, while he's seeing, he gets to see the physical reality of catching all these fish, but he's also really now understanding who Jesus is. And so his reaction, you know, is, is Simon says, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Do you really think that Simon wants Jesus to leave? He thinks that's what he deserves. And, and that's why when we started out, I asked you to think about when you were saved, at that moment, when you realized who you were as a sinner and God being a just God and requiring payment for sin, that if you got what you deserved, you would get death. You would die. You would remain spiritually dead and you would be separated from God for all eternity. And that's what you deserved but in seeing Jesus and knowing Jesus and also understanding not, that, not just that you are a sinner, but that you have a Savior in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God and he is perfect and that you are in the presence of part of the triune God. It was Jesus as man who was in people's presence. And so Simon is thinking he's not worthy. I don't deserve this. I know who you are and I know what you can do for me. And, and he's just feeling, I think, the weight of all the guilt and shame that he has because he knows who Jesus is. And, and Simon knows he's a sinner, he's unrighteous, but he's in the presence of the Lamb of God, the one who came to save the world. And, and this is all he could think of is that I shouldn't be here. So he's in a boat and he knows he can't leave. He's telling Jesus, you should go. But that's not really what he's thinking. You know, I think it is he's thinking that he doesn't deserve to be where he is. In Isaiah, in chapter 6, Isaiah has the same feeling, and I think he has that same aha moment where he's like, I am in the presence of God. If you'll turn to Isaiah chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. And this is where Isaiah is called by God. Isaiah chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. And I think this is just another part of Scripture that really gives us a good idea of who God is and who we are. So Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, 
and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out. While the temple was filling with smoke, then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And so I think this reminds us of the view of God that we're supposed to have. We're supposed to have an understanding of who God is. He's the Lord God Almighty. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He spoke them into existence. And so when, when we pray to God and when we talk about God, we need to remember who God is and give him that respect and that authority and truly be fearful of him because of who he is. And that's what Isaiah is saying here. And I think these are the same feelings that Simon has when he is in the presence of Jesus and this miracle is happening. And it's a good point. And that's sometimes God does that to us, where he will take something that we feel, like Pastor Craig said, that we know inside and out, front to back, and things will happen very differently. And it helps us understand that as much as we as people like to think we're in control and we know what we're doing, that it's really God who's in control. And it's really God's plan that plays out and that... You know, one of the most important things we can pray is that we know what God's will is and that we have the faith and the courage to follow that. And so in using this example with the fishing, which Pastor Craig said, spoke very powerful to Simon and those who are with him about this is someone who can really change things that we thought couldn't be changed. They didn't think you could catch fish like that. Not, not only not catch fish, but in such a quantity that it's going to sink their boats. Um, so it really, it really was God's perfect timing with the perfect subject to change them, to help them really understand what God is, is going to call them to do. And so as we live our lives and we start to see God work in our lives, even when we think we know exactly what's going to happen, when things don't happen like we think they should, we need to remember God has a plan for that. He, it's, it's his plan. It's his way of speaking sometimes directly to you to say, you think you know how this is going to work, but it may not. And, and God answers prayers, but not always in the way that we expect him to. And that's, that's one of those great things about God is that he, he knows what we need, whether we understand that or not. It is, I think it is a good reminder of maintaining that relationship and, and always understanding everything that we do, all that you know, all the skills that you have, the family that you're in, the place you live, the job you have, the people you interact with, it's not, you know, chance or serendipity or, you know, it, it is God and it's God's will. And you are where you are doing what you're doing because of God's will for you. And you get to make choices as you do that. And as we make choices, that can change that path. But it's not something that God doesn't understand or didn't anticipate. But we do have to because we often get comfortable in our lives and, and I think that's something we need to know with this that we're going to talk about next is when we get really comfortable, we don't want to step out of that comfort zone. When, when we know every day that we're a fisherman and I'm going to go out and I'm going to fish at night and I'm going to catch some fish and maybe I'll catch some fish and maybe I won't, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to mend my nets and I'm going to go to sleep and then I, you know, I'm going to go through this. But God comes and starts asking us to do things that are way outside of what it is that we want to do. We need to have faith and courage in stepping out and doing those things. 
So when God is asking you to do something, we need to listen to that and, and really think through that. And that's exactly what Jesus is going to do with, with Simon and some of his helpers here, is he's going to ask them to do something very different. Yes. And I think, and, and Carolyn's right, and some of that is, you know, it's, it's age and time, but it can happen to all of us, because as we mature as believers, the, the, the more we study God's word and the more we interact with fellow believers, and the more we know, the more we see. It's just like, um, you know, if, if you're a big game hunter, the more you're out in the woods, the more you're out in that environment, the more you spend time for all those things you need to be to be a successful big game hunter, the better you are. Um, it, you know, it, and that, that goes along with anything. You know, if you're, if you're a quilter, the more you quilt and sew and look at things, the more you know how things go together and you can see if things are right or things are not. If you, any of those skills that you have, by doing that more you get better at it. Your faith is exactly the same way. So the more, the more you spend time with God and his word, the more you spend time praying, the more time you spend serving him, the more you will see him working in your life. He's working in your life. He's working in everybody's life because God is present here on the earth. And that's, that's something that it's, it's general grace. You know, the Bible tells us that you know, the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. There are a lot of good things on this earth that everybody, believers and non-believers, experience through the love and grace of God. And so he's working in everybody's life. It's whether or not you're willing to look at that and see that and acknowledge who he is and acknowledge why it's happening. When you do something, when you, when you accomplish something and you're really good at it, if you take all the credit yourself, that's not what God's after. God wants you to give him the credit and the glory to say, well, God is the one who gave me these skills he's the one who introduced me to this person that taught me how to do this or god gave me the time to be able to practice this it's all those things that if we honor god in that way the more we see him work in our life um, the more it's a witness for him the more it builds our faith and the better example we can be for others and so we're going to continue on in luke 5 i'm going to read verses 9 through 11 and we're going to see what what jesus wants simon to do For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And so Simon knows he's not worthy, but he's also amazed. And the other people with him, and now we find out it's, it's James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and they also become disciples, and Christ is also calling them. But all of these fishermen are seeing this, and they're all amazed at what's happening. And Jesus picks this time as they see this, and they understand this miracle that's occurring, is that, you know, and, and Jesus probably knows some of them as they're coming to understand that this is the Son of God, this is the Messiah. He tells them, do not fear, because why do you think they would be afraid? I think part of being afraid is they know that they're sinners and that as sinners, if they don't have a savior, they're condemned. And and just that whole understanding of, am I worthy? Can I trust God? Is he going to do what he says he's going to do? It's that fear of things and knowing, right? It's like when you get caught doing something you're not supposed to, you have that feeling of fear because 
you know if justice is served, you're going to be punished. And, and so there's some of that fear, but Jesus is telling them to not be afraid. And this is a pretty common theme in the Bible in many places because when people come to understand who God is and he's asking them to do certain things, God tells them, do not be afraid, do not fear, because God is going to be there with them and he's going to walk with them and he's going to supply what they need to do. He may ask you to do some very difficult things, but he's going to give you what you need when you need it so that you can fulfill his purpose for you here on earth. And that could be. I mean, if you think in your life when you've, when you've trained for something, there's lots of different things you can train for, and it might be something that's, you know, challenging or dangerous, and, you, and you're learning about it, and you're getting trained, and they're showing you how to. I mean, think about, think about skydiving. Has anybody here skydived? Randy has. So I, I learned all about jumping out of airplanes and parachuting and all that kind of stuff, but I never had to do that, and I'm very glad I didn't have to do that. I, somebody gave me some advice one time, and they said, never jump out of a good airplane. <laughs> so I always had airplanes that you might, my takeoffs equaled my landings, and so I've never had to jump out of one. But if you think about that, you go through all this ground training, and they teach you how to put the equipment on and how to strap it on and how to fit it, and, it, and when you land, Randy, what do they call it when you land? What are you supposed to do? And so that Probably the kind of parachute that Randy used it was a parasail, which you can actually, because of the shape of it, air flows over it like a wing, and so it actually flies a little bit. So when you land um, a parasail, as you're coming down, just like an airplane will flare so you can land, you can pull down on that, and it, and it will increase the lift, and it slows your, your acceleration towards the earth. And so you can actually land standing up and walk. And so probably what they told him is, because you're probably going forward some, is if you're not walking when you hit, you're going to go on your face. Well, the parachutes I was training on that I never had to use was a big round chute, and you just pretty much come down. And you're supposed to do a parachute landing fall, which is, you, you, yeah, it's, you're supposed to hit on the balls of your feet, roll up the side of your leg onto your hip and up on your shoulder. Or you do what a lot of people did, which is feet, knees, face. So if you're not ready and you don't do it right, you hit and you just go forward. Um, we, did, we did parasails like Randy, but they came down a lot faster, so I had to do some of that practice. But it's scary because you go through all this training, and now you're ready, and now they're like, okay, jump out of the airplane. And this is where I think maybe Beth is getting to this point is Jesus, they, they know something's going to happen. It's almost like they, they know Jesus is going to tell them to do something very different because... He's their Lord and Savior. Simon's already calling him master. And now Jesus says, don't be afraid. And, and sometimes when somebody tells you that, what's going to come after that? Fear. It's like when you go to the doctor, you're just going to feel a pinch, right? That may or may not feel like a pinch. Um, Jesus is preparing them to do something, and he is going to ask them to do something very different. So what did Jesus tell them he wants them to do? What are they going to be? Fishers of men. And it's, um, it's in Mark 1.17 and Matthew 4.19. That's the phrase most of us are familiar with is Jesus tells them, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So they're very comfortable and very knowledgeable about catching fish, fishing for fish. But now Jesus says, I want you to fish for men. And in Luke, where he says, I'm going to make, you will be catching men. The Greek word is zogron. It's only used twice in the Bible. 
And what zogron in Greek means is capturing, or it's more the intent of catching and keeping something alive. So usually the word they use for fishing is you're going to catch this fish and you're going to kill it and eat it. So when he, he doesn't want them to think, I'm going to ask you to capture men and kill them like you do fish. He's telling them, I want you to capture men to keep them alive. And so when you think about that, you're going to go and you're going to help people be alive. And it's that salvation of the gospel message, right? Because we're born spiritually dead and we have to be a believer. We have to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior to be born again, to be spiritually alive. And so that's what Jesus is telling them here. Because for a fisherman, do you think they, I mean, they know how to fish for fish. But when you tell them fishing for men, what do you think is going through their minds? What kind of bait? Are we going to take nets and run around and net people? I mean, what are we going to do? So, so part of that's why I think, you know, what Beth said, something's going to be very different, is it is going to be very different for them. But, but these men, having seen these miracles and seen what Jesus is doing, and they're Jewish, and so they've heard the prophecies of the Messiah, and they've been looking for the Messiah, and they know this is the Messiah, so they're ready to go. So in verse 11, it says, When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So they have enough faith and trust in Jesus. They're ready to give up their livelihood. So, I mean... When you think about that, what does it mean when it says they left everything? What do you think they're leaving behind? Literally, they're leaving their whole life behind. They're leaving. Think of all these fish they just caught. Those fish are worth a lot of money. They probably caught enough fish. They might not have to fish for a week or 10 days. They could sell all those fish and make enough money. They don't have to. So, so they're leaving all of these things behind. And that's really the, the point of this. That they're not just leaving their fish and their boats and their nets all these things that they used for their livelihood so they could earn a living and, and, and provide for themselves and their families, they're walking away from everything. Because to be a believer at this time, and we'll see that as we keep studying through the Gospels, it meant you were going to walk away from the Jewish church because now you believe the Messiah is there. Because at the time, the Jewish leaders are saying, Jesus isn't the Messiah. The Messiah hasn't come. But they're not acknowledging the prophecies that are there. They're not acknowledging what all the prophets foretold. Their hearts are hard. Their eyes are not seeing. Their ears are not hearing. They're not willing to acknowledge the truth that the Messiah has come. But these men are, and so they're willing to follow him. And so it's going to mean that they're not sure how God's going to provide for them because they're used to earning money, making a living fishing. Now they're going to go do something with men. Their families are going to get kicked out of the church. At that time, the church was very important. Family was very important because they looked out for one another. They did lots of things for each other. This was, if, if you didn't have a family, it was very difficult to survive in this time. And, and by following Jesus, they're going to get kicked out of their families. And so they really are giving up a tremendous amount to follow Jesus. But they don't have a choice, do they? Because they have seen Jesus teach in a way that nobody's taught. He understands God's word like nobody does because he's God. And he teaches in a way that nobody's taught. And he is fulfilling all of the prophecies that were foretold that he's the coming Messiah. And so they really don't have a choice. And so they're willing to follow him. And they have that courage and that faith. And that's something that I hope that we would have is that 
when God is asking us to go do something very different, when he asks us to be fishers of men in the way that, that these fishermen understood it, God's going to ask you to do something that's very, very different, that you have no idea how you're going to do that. And it might be to speak to a group about how you were saved and what your testimony is. It might be to help a vacation Bible school later. It might be to do something for San Juan Bible Camp. It might just be to go help your neighbor out in a way that opens up that conversation that God will provide that chance for you to talk to that neighbor who's not a believer about who Jesus is and how Jesus changed your life for the better. When God asks us to do these things, we really have to be prepared and have this courage, just like these fishermen, to give up what's comfortable, to give up what we know, and to step out in faith and follow God where he's leading us. Because Jesus knows what he's doing, and Jesus knows right where he's heading, and Jesus knows what he means by, I'm going to make you a catcher of men. And so we have to have that same faith and trust in God, that when God is leading us in a new direction, that we, we follow him and we honor him by doing that, trusting and knowing he's going to give us what it is that he needs us to do. And I, I want to finish up this morning um, reading some verses from Second Timothy chapter 1. And I think it just really speaks to where, you know, Simon and James and, and John are at this point. This is Paul's second letter to Timothy where he's talking to him about um, why he believes in the gospel. So 2 Timothy 1, starting in verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. So Paul's telling Timothy something that I think we need to hear is that you know, we're not supposed to be ashamed of the gospel and that we know who Christ Jesus is and that he's, he's prepared us. He has this purpose for us. And that if we have that faith and trust in God that he will be true to his word and keep his promise, that we can do the things that he asks us to do. And so as, as we go through this week and we think about those things, I hope that we can do that. When, when you're approached and asked to serve God in some way is that you don't think of all the busy things in your life that you have to do or that it won't work is that you'll trust in God that it was God, not, not this person who's standing in front of you, but it was God that asked you to do this thing. Or when the Holy Spirit prompts you to go visit your neighbor or go, go do that thing that you're not really comfortable doing, that you have that faith and trust that you'll step out and do that. And I think if you do, you'll see God working in your lives in amazing ways and, and you can further the cause of Christ and help more people understand the gospel and be brought to the gospel. So does anybody have questions or comments before we wrap up? So I think um, Frank asked if, if I think as a new believer, it's easier to um, evangelize and talk to people about being saved because we were just saved and we're, we're 
new in Christ where we have, we still, that feeling is still very sensitive to us where we understood that we were Savior and we got saved by Jesus. Um, and it, it can work that way. And it can help us want to do that. The danger comes in as a new believer. It depends on how you came to Christ and how much have you studied the Bible and really how deep are your roots. Because if you start evangelizing with someone, and I'm not saying a new believer shouldn't do that, but you have to be careful with that because if, if you're going to, you know, when you start talking to somebody about being saved, it's really understanding what that is and understanding some of the theology behind that because you're going to get asked some very tough questions. And, and have faith and trust that God will give you those answers, but God might give you those answers through another mature Christian. And so I think we know, and I think, you know, an important point for what Frank is talking about is the farther we get away from the day we got saved, the more comfortable we are being saved, the more we rely on, on grace in Christ and not worrying about my sin because all my sins paid for and we start to cheapen grace. And I think that's, it's a good cautionary note is to just remember we're not supposed to sin and we should be, you know, if we sin, we need to confess that to the Lord and we need to repent from that and we need to turn away. And sometimes we get comfortable in our sin because we know and understand and have faith that we're saved, but we don't really do a good job of acting out on that. And so I think you can, but... You just have to be cautious as a new believer going out to make sure that you're ready, and it would be better if you if you worked in tandem with a, a mature believer. Part of what I want you to do is to think back on when you were saved and what that feeling was that you had when when you really came to that understanding of who Jesus Christ is and who you are as a sinner and and what you felt at that time. Um, Different people come to salvation at different times in their lives in different ways. Some people, um, you know, it's, it's a, an accident or some very tragic thing in their life brings them to understand what that is. Some people, it's just through teaching and being around believers. Some people are brought up in Christian families where they, they hear the word and they know who Jesus is from a very young age. But we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 5 today when Jesus calls the first disciples. And if you think about this progression of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is we went through about Jesus coming and Jesus' early life and when he started his ministry and he was baptized by John the Baptist and then started to do those things that prophecy tells us that he's the Messiah. And then he was in his hometown of Nazareth where he declared he was the Messiah. And then last week we talked about him being in Capernaum where he started to not only preach and teach, but he started to perform some miracles so people could see the power that he had, that he did have the power and authority of God. And he could do the things that were called for in prophecy. He could make the blind see, he could make the deaf hear, he could heal people, he could drive out demons. And so we're progressing through this where we see, you know, if you will, when Jesus comes to earth, we see his development, we see him declaring himself the Messiah and he starts his ministry. And now the next logical step is Jesus is going to call disciples. And so we're going to talk about in Luke chapter 5 today when Christ called the first disciples. So it's in Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, 
and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. So if you remember at the end of last week's lesson, one of the things Jesus told the people of Capernaum was that his, his mission, his goal was to go out and preach the good news of the gospel to more places because the, the people in Capernaum wanted him to stay there and to heal the people and to teach them. But he knew he needed to go out and spread the good news of salvation through himself as the Messiah. And so he started to do this. So he went um, to a place called the um, Lake of Genesaret. And it's another name. Genesaret's another name for the Sea of Galilee, which is a freshwater lake um, that's there in um, modern-day Israel. But... At that time, it was a very important for commerce, and so they fished a lot. Fishing provided a livelihood for a lot of people. It provided food for a lot of people. But this is where Jesus decides to go. And so as he goes towards the lake, he sees boats there. You know, they would go out. The way they would fish is they would take nets, and they, they fished with nets. So they would go out on the lake, and they would cast their nets out, their drag nets, and they would drag that through the water, or sometimes they would drive, you know, they would make splashing sounds and stuff to try to drive the fish into the nets, and then they would pull their nets up, and that's how they would catch fish. And so while Jesus is there, the people are still following him, and they're still wanting him to teach, and he's trying to teach them, but the crowd is gathering around him, and so what Jesus does is he goes over to one of the boats, and remember, Jesus knows who Simon is, because after he had preached at the synagogue in Capernaum, he went to Simon's house and healed his mother-in-law. So Jesus goes over and gets in Simon's boat, and he says, you know, why don't you put us out on the water? So it takes some, some faith for Simon to do this, because the way they fished is they would fish at night. And so think about this. If you're Simon, and you just got your boat in, and you're mending your nets, and you're sitting there, and it's the morning because you were out fishing all night, and Jesus comes to you and says, I want you to get back in the boat and take me out on the water. Do you think Simon's tired? What do you think Simon's thinking about? <laughs> and, and that's part of it, what Verenia said, you don't know how to fish, is <clears throat> they, they, through trial and error, have figured out the best time for them to fish is at night. And so at night, the fish would come up close to the shore in the shallower parts of the water, and so they didn't have to go as far out. And with shallower water, you don't have to have a bigger net to catch more fish. And so they just have figured out over time. That's when, you know, if you're a commercial fisherman and you're going to go out and catch a lot of fish for, for your family to eat and for you to sell to make money, you're going to go fish at night and do these things. So he's, he's already been out. They've fished all night. He's tired. He's fixing his nets. He's basically getting ready to go home and go to bed because he's tired. But Jesus comes along and says, why don't you get in your boat, take me out. I just want to go out on the water. And, and Simon does this. And so what, why do you think Simon agrees to take Jesus out on the water? And, and so at this, at this point, he's not asking him to fish. He's just asking him to take him out on the water. So Simon's already had some experience with Jesus healing his mother-in-law. So he already knows who Jesus is, and he wants to trust Jesus. And so... 
Is this a big ask? He's really just saying, come on, let's just go for a boat ride. Let, let me get out on the water. And he doesn't want him to go out very far. And, and the reason Jesus wants to do this is when he gets in the boat and he gets out on the water a little bit, the people can't crowd around him. And so it kind of forces the people to spread out along the shoreline. And then while he's out on the water, it's going to help his voice project. And so by Jesus doing this, it gives him the opportunity for more people to hear him preach the good news of the gospel and to teach the scriptures and to talk to the people about that. And so part of it, too, it's not a big ask on Jesus's part for Simon. He's just saying, hey, come on, let's just do this for me. And so Simon, being faithful, does that. And, uh, you know, it says when he gets out there a little ways that, that Jesus sits down and begins to teach. But then when he's done teaching, in verse 4, it says, When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. I think that's what Vernia was getting at, is now Jesus isn't just saying, you know, let's just go out for a little boat ride. It's going to be easier for people to hear me. You know, it's going to make my teaching available to more people. He's saying, now let's go out into the deep water and fish. Um, and it's, we, we've talked about this. It's already one of those things that now Simon's starting to say, okay, wait a minute. The good time for fishing has already passed. And now you're asking me to go out. And, and do more fishing. And so we'll, we're going to read, um, read on here. And this is something where, what, what does the common sense of Simon, who's a fisherman, say about going out to deeper water in the daytime to go fishing? It doesn't make sense. It, for someone who's an expert in what they're doing, Jesus is asking him to do something that's out of the ordinary, that would not follow common sense. And I think this is something that we in our lives need to be aware of is as we walk the path that, that God has called us to walk and we think about the things that he wants us to do, sometimes God asks us to do something that is out of the ordinary, that doesn't follow common sense because it's what God needs us to do. So if we don't have that faith in God and we don't listen to the prompting of the Spirit, when God's asking us to do something which doesn't seem like a good idea, but God's asking us to do it, that we should do that. And Simon understands that this is something that he should do, even though it goes against what he thinks. So let's see what Simon says. We're going to uh, pick up in, in Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 5 through 8. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them, and they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And so we get some more insight here where Simon is hearing Jesus ask him, to go out into the deep water and to fish, to do something that normally doesn't work. And he's explaining to Jesus, he's saying, I'm tired. I worked all night long. Everybody on my crew has been out there. All we're thinking about is finishing, mending our nets, so we're ready to go tonight when we have to go fish and going home and going to bed. But you're asking me to go out. And so Simon is having that faith to do that. 
one clue that lets us know that Simon is really starting to trust Jesus and have faith in him as he addresses him as master. So Simon understands, I think, who Jesus is, and he knows he has this authority. And so Simon's willing to do something that doesn't make sense to him because someone that he knows has power and authority from God is asking him to do something that's uncommon, but he's willing to do that. And so they go out, and, and what's the result of Simon being faithful with his crew? When they go out into the deep water and they put their nets out, do you think when they're doing that, do you think they're really going to catch anything? No, because it tells us they were out all night doing what they know how to do best. They're good at this, and they didn't catch any fish. And so they're thinking, well, if the fish aren't out there for whatever reason, why are they going to be there now? But they trust Jesus, and they go out, and what, what happens? They get so many fish, it's starting to tear their nets apart. And so they fish with other people, and we'll find out soon who their partners are, but they're yelling at the other people in the boats that they fish with to come over and help them because they have such a big catch, they can't possibly all bring those fish in themselves. And so they come over, and, um, and they have that. And, and so even though it goes against common sense, this is something that as we read this story, why do we know this makes sense? Because it's his plan. And Jesus is part of the triune God. Jesus is the one who created all creation. Jesus is the one who knows if he wants fish to show up there and fill their nets, fish will be there to fill their nets. And so he knows what's happening, and he has, command, you know, he has control over the elements. And this is one of those things that shows them that they have this control over the elements. And so they go over. And what do you think is going through Simon's head while they're catching all these fish at a time when it shouldn't be happening in a place when it shouldn't be happening? He's right and I was wrong. But what do you think he's thinking about Jesus? A miracle. And that's the best way to describe it, is what's happening here. All these fishermen... For the most part, all of their physical experience as fishermen tells them if they go do what they're doing, which is fish in the daytime, out of the deep water, chances are you're not going to ever catch any fish. But they are catching so many fish, they need out several boats to come over to haul all the fish to shore. So they all recognize and know and understand that a miracle is happening. This is happening because Jesus is there, and it's his will that they catch all these fish. And in this way, he's showing them, if you'll obey what I tell you to do, you will be very productive. You will have more than you need to satisfy what you think you need, plus. And so Simon, while he's seeing, he gets to see the physical reality of catching all these fish, but he's also really now understanding who Jesus is. And so his reaction you know, as, as Simon says, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Do you really think that Simon wants Jesus to leave? He thinks that's what he deserves. And, and that's why when we started out, I asked you to think about when you were saved, at that moment, when you realized who you were as a sinner and God being a just God and requiring payment for sin, that if you got what you deserved, you would get death. You would die. You would remain spiritually dead, and you would be separated from God for all eternity. 
and that's what you deserved. But in seeing Jesus and knowing Jesus and also understanding not, that, not just that you are a sinner, but that you have a Savior in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God and he is perfect and that you are in the presence of part of the triune God. It was Jesus as man who was in people's presence. And so Simon is thinking he's not worthy. I don't deserve this. I know who you are and I know what you can do for me. And, and he's just feeling, I think, the weight of all the guilt and shame that he has because he knows who Jesus is. And, and Simon knows he's a sinner, he's unrighteous, but he's in the presence of the Lamb of God, the one who came to save the world. And, and this is all he could think of is that I shouldn't be here. So he's in a boat and he knows he can't leave. He's telling Jesus, you should go. But that's not really what he's thinking. You know, I think it is he's thinking that he doesn't deserve to be where he is. In Isaiah, in chapter 6, Isaiah has the same feeling, and I think he has that same aha moment where he's like, I am in the presence of God. If you'll turn to Isaiah chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. And this is where Isaiah is called by God. Isaiah chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. And I think this is just another part of Scripture that really gives us a good idea of who God is and who we are. So Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out. While the temple was filling with smoke, then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And so I think this reminds us of the view of God that we're supposed to have. We're supposed to have an understanding of who God is. He's the Lord God Almighty. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He spoke them into existence. And so when, when we pray to God and when we talk about God, we need to remember who God is and give him that respect and that authority and truly be fearful of him because of who he is. And that's what Isaiah is saying here. And I think these are the same feelings that Simon has when he is in the presence of Jesus and this miracle is happening. And it's a good point. And that's, sometimes God does that to us, where he will take something that we feel, like Pastor Craig said, that we know inside and out, front to back, and things will happen very differently. And it helps us understand that as much as we as people like to think we're in control and we know what we're doing, that it's really God who's in control. And it's really God's plan that plays out and that, you know, one of the most important things we can pray is that we know what God's will is and that we have the faith and the courage to follow that. And so in using this example with the fishing, which Pastor Craig said, spoke very powerful to Simon and those who are with him about this is someone who can really change things that we thought couldn't be changed. They didn't think you could catch fish like that. Not, not only not catch fish, but in such a quantity that it's going to sink their boats. Um, so it really, it really was God's perfect timing with the perfect subject to change them 
to help them really understand what God is, is going to call them to do. And so as we live our lives and we start to see God work in our lives, even when we think we know exactly what's going to happen, when things don't happen like we think they should, we need to remember God has a plan for that. He, it's, it's his plan. It's his way of speaking sometimes directly to you to say, you think you know how this is going to work, but it may not. And, and God answers prayers, but not always in the way that we expect him to. And that's, that's one of those great things about God is that he, he knows what we need, whether we understand that or not. It is, I think it is a good reminder of maintaining that relationship and, and always understanding everything that we do, all that you know, all the skills that you have, the family that you're in, the place you live, the job you have, the people you interact with, it's not, you know, chance or serendipity or, you know, it, it is God and it's God's will. And you are where you are doing what you're doing because of God's will for you. And you get to make choices as you do that. And as we make choices, that can change that path, but it's not something that God doesn't understand or didn't anticipate. But we do have to because we often get comfortable in our lives and, and I think that's something we need to know with this that we're going to talk about next is when we get really comfortable, we don't want to step out of that comfort zone. When, when we know every day that we're a fisherman and I'm going to go out and I'm going to fish at night and I'm going to catch some fish and maybe I'll catch some fish and maybe I won't, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to mend my nets and I'm going to go to sleep and then I, you know, I'm going to go through this. But God comes and starts asking us to do things that are way outside of what it is that we want to do. We need to have faith and courage in stepping out and doing those things. So when God is asking you to do something, we need to listen to that and, and really think through that. And that's exactly what Jesus is going to do with, with Simon and some of his helpers here. Is he's going to ask them to do something very different. Yes. And I think, and, and Carolyn's right, and some of that is, you know, it's, it's age and time, but it can happen to all of us because as we mature as believers, the, the, the more we study God's word and the more we interact with fellow believers, and the more we know, the more we see. It's just like, um, you know, if, if you're a big game hunter, the more you're out in the woods, the more you're out in that environment, the more you spend time for all those things you need to be to be a successful big game hunter, the better you are. Um, it, you know, it, and that, that goes along with anything. You know, if you're, if you're a quilter, the more you quilt and sew and look at things, the more you know how things go together and you can see if things are right or things are not. If you, any of those skills that you have, by doing that more you get better at it. Your faith is exactly the same way. So the more the more you spend time with God and his word, the more you spend time praying, the more time you spend serving him, the more you will see him working in your life. He's working in your life. He's working in everybody's life because God is present here on the earth. And that's, that's something that it's, it's general grace. You know, the Bible tells us that you know, the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. There are a lot of good things on this earth that everybody, believers and non-believers, experience through the love and grace of God. And so he's working in everybody's life. It's whether or not you're willing to look at that and see that and acknowledge who he is and acknowledge why it's happening. When you do something, when you, when you accomplish something and you're really good at it, if you take all the credit yourself, that's not what God's after. God wants you to give him the credit and the glory to say, well, God is the one who 
gave me these skills. He's the one who introduced me to this person that taught me how to do this. Or God gave me the time to be able to practice this. It's all those things that if we honor God in that way, the more we see him work in our life, um, the more it, it's a witness for him, the more it builds our faith and the better example we can be for others. And so we're going to continue on in Luke 5. I'm going to read verses 9 through 11, and we're going to see what, what Jesus wants Simon to do. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And so Simon knows he's not worthy, but he's also amazed. And the other people with him, and now we find out it's, it's James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and they also become disciples, and Christ is also calling them. But all of these fishermen are seeing this, and they're all amazed at what's happening. And Jesus picks this time as they see this, and they understand this miracle that's occurring, is that, you know, and, and Jesus probably knows some of them as they're coming to understand that this is the Son of God, this is the Messiah. He tells them, do not fear. Because why do you think they would be afraid? I think part of being afraid is they know that they're sinners and that as sinners, if they don't have a Savior, they're condemned. And, and just that whole understanding of am I worthy? Can I trust God? Is he going to do what he says he's going to do? It's that fear of things and knowing, right? It's like when you get caught doing something you're not supposed to, you have that feeling of fear because you know if justice is served, you're going to be punished. And, and so there's some of that fear, but Jesus is telling them to not be afraid. And this is a pretty common theme in the Bible in many places, because when people come to understand who God is, and he's asking them to do certain things, God tells them, do not be afraid, do not fear, because God is going to be there with them, and he's going to walk with them, and he's going to supply what they need to do. He may ask you to do some very difficult things, but he's going to give you what you need when you need it so that you can fulfill his purpose for you here on earth. And that could be. I mean, if you think in your life when you've, when you've trained for something, there's lots of different things you can train for, and it might be something that's, you know, challenging or dangerous, and, you, and you're learning about it, and you're getting trained, and they're showing you how to. I mean, think about, think about skydiving. Has anybody here skydived? Randy has. So I, I learned all about jumping out of airplanes and parachuting and all that kind of stuff, but I never had to do that. And I'm very glad I didn't have to do that. I, somebody gave me some advice one time. And they said, never jump out of a good airplane. <laughs> so I always had airplanes that you might, my takeoffs equaled my landings. And so I've never had to jump out of one. But if you think about that, you go through all this ground training and they teach you how to put the equipment on and how to strap it on and how to fit it. And it, it and, when you land, Randy, what do they call it when you land? What are you supposed to do? And so that probably the kind of parachute that Randy used, it was a parasail, which you can actually, because of the shape of it, air flows over it like a wing, and so it actually flies a little bit. So when you land um, a parasail, as you're coming down, just like an airplane will flare so you can land, you can pull down on that, and it, and it will increase the lift, and it slows your, your acceleration towards the earth, 
And so you can actually land standing up and walk. And so probably what they told him is, because you're probably going forward some, is if you're not walking when you hit, you're going to go on your face. Well, the parachutes I was training on that I never had to use was a big round chute, and you just pretty much come down. And you're supposed to do a parachute landing fall, which is, you, you, yeah, it's, you're supposed to hit on the balls of your feet, roll up the side of your leg onto your hip and up on your shoulder. Or you do what a lot of people did, which is feet, knees, face. So if you're not ready and you don't do it right, you hit and you just go forward. Um, we, did, we did parasails like Randy, but they came down a lot faster, so I had to do some of that practice. But it's scary because you go through all this training, and now you're ready. And now they're like, okay, jump out of the airplane. And this is where I think maybe Beth is getting to this point is, Jesus, they, they know something's going to happen. It's almost like they, they know Jesus is going to tell them to do something very different because... He's their Lord and Savior. Simon's already calling him master. And now Jesus says, don't be afraid. And, and sometimes when somebody tells you that, what's going to come after that? Fear. It's like when you go to the doctor, you're just going to feel a pinch, right? That may or may not feel like a pinch. Um, Jesus is preparing them to do something. And he is going to ask them to do something very different. So what did Jesus tell them he wants them to do? What are they going to be? fishers of men and it's um it's in mark 117 and matthew 419 that's the phrase most of us are familiar with is jesus tells them i'm going to make you fishers of men so they're very comfortable and very knowledgeable about catching fish fishing for fish but now jesus says i want you to fish for men and in luke where he says i'm going to make you will be catching men the Greek word is zogron. And it's only used twice in the Bible. And what zogron in Greek means is capturing, or it's more the intent of catching and keeping something alive. So usually the word they use for fishing is you're going to catch this fish and you're going to kill it and eat it. So when he, he doesn't want them to think, I'm going to ask you to capture men and kill them like you do fish. He's telling them, I want you to capture men to keep them alive. And so when you think about that, you're going to go and you're going to help people be alive. And it's that salvation of the gospel message, right? Because we're born spiritually dead and we have to be a believer. We have to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior to be born again, to be spiritually alive. And so that's what Jesus is telling them here. Because for a fisherman, do you think they, I mean, they know how to fish for fish. But when you tell them fishing for men, what do you think is going through their minds? What kind of bait? Are we going to take nets and run around and net people? I mean, what are we going to do? So, so part of that's why I think, you know, what Beth said, something's going to be very different, is it is going to be very different for them. Um, but, but these men, having seen these miracles and seen what Jesus is doing, and they're Jewish, and so they've heard the prophecies of the Messiah and they've been looking for the Messiah and they know this is the Messiah so they're ready to go so in verse 11 it says when they had brought their boats to land they left everything and followed him so they have enough faith and trust in Jesus they're ready to give up their livelihood so I mean when you think about that what does it mean when it says they left everything what do you think they're leaving behind that, that literally they're leaving their whole life behind they're leaving, think of all these fish they just caught. Those fish are worth a lot of money. They probably caught enough fish. They might not have to fish for a week or 10 days. They could sell all those fish and make enough money 
They don't have, so, so they're leaving all of these things behind. And that's really the, the point of this, that they're not just leaving their fish and their boats and their nets. All these things that they used for their livelihood so they could earn a living and, and, and provide for themselves and their families, they're walking away from everything. Because to be a believer at this time, and we'll see that as we keep studying through the Gospels, it meant you were going to walk away from the Jewish church. Because now you believe the Messiah is there. Because at the time, the Jewish leaders are saying, Jesus isn't the Messiah. The Messiah hasn't come. But they're not acknowledging the prophecies that are there. They're not acknowledging what all the prophets foretold. Their hearts are hard. Their eyes are not seeing. Their ears are not hearing. They're not willing to acknowledge the truth that the Messiah has come. But these men are. And so they're willing to follow him. And so it's going to mean that they're not sure how God's going to provide for them because they're used to earning money, making a living fishing. Now they're going to go do something with men. Their families are going to get kicked out of the church. At that time, the church was very important. Family was very important because they looked out for one another. They did lots of things for each other. This was, if, if you didn't have a family, it was very difficult to survive in this time. And, and by following Jesus, they're going to get kicked out of their families. And so they really are giving up a tremendous amount to follow Jesus. But they don't have a choice, do they? Because they have seen Jesus teach in a way that nobody's taught. He understands God's word like nobody does because he's God, and he teaches in a way that nobody's taught. And he is fulfilling all of the prophecies that were foretold that he's the coming Messiah. And so they really don't have a choice, and so they're willing to follow him and they have that courage and that faith. And that's something that I hope that we would have, is that when God is asking us to go do something very different, when he asks us to be fishers of men in the way that, that these fishermen understood it, God's going to ask you to do something that's very, very different, that you have no idea how you're going to do that. And it might be to speak to a group about how you were saved and what your testimony is. It might be to help with vacation Bible school later. It might be to do something for San Juan Bible Camp. It might just be to go help your neighbor out in a way that opens up that conversation that God will provide that chance for you to talk to that neighbor who's not a believer about who Jesus is and how Jesus changed your life for the better. When God asks us to do these things, we really have to be prepared and have this courage, just like these fishermen, to give up what's comfortable, to give up what we know, and to step out in faith and follow God where he's leading us. Because Jesus knows what he's doing, and Jesus knows right where he's heading, and Jesus knows what he means by, I'm going to make you a catcher of men. And so we have to have that same faith and trust in God, that when God is leading us in a new direction, that we, we follow him, and we honor him by doing that, trusting and knowing he's going to give us what it is that he needs us to do. And I, I want to finish up this morning um, reading some verses from 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I think it just really speaks to where, you know, Simon and James and, and John are at this point. This is Paul's second letter to Timothy where he's talking to him about um, why he believes in the gospel. So 2 Timothy 1, starting in verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, 
not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. So Paul's telling Timothy something that I think we need to hear, is that you know, we're not supposed to be ashamed of the gospel, and that we know who Christ Jesus is, and that he's, he's prepared us, he has this purpose for us, and that if we have that faith and trust in God, that he will be true to his word and keep his promise that we can do the things that he asks us to do. And so as, as we go through this week and we think about those things, I hope that we can do that. When, when you're approached and asked to serve God in some way is that you don't think of all the busy things in your life that you have to do or that it won't work, is that you'll trust in God that it was God, not, not this person who's standing in front of you, but it was God that asked you to do this thing. Or when the Holy Spirit prompts you to go visit your neighbor or go, go do that thing that you're not really comfortable doing, that you have that faith and trust that you'll step out and do that. And I think if you do, you'll see God working in your lives in amazing ways, and, and you can further the cause of Christ and help more people understand the gospel and be brought to the gospel. So does anybody have questions or comments before we wrap up? So I think um, Frank asked if, if I think as a new believer it's easier to... Um, evangelize and talk to people about being saved because we were just saved and we're, we're new in Christ where we have, we still, that feeling is still very sensitive to us where we understood that we were a savior and we got saved by Jesus. Um, and it, it can work that way and it can help us want to do that. The danger comes in as a new believer, it depends on how you came to Christ and how much have you studied the Bible and really how deep are your roots because if you start evangelizing with someone, and I'm not saying a new believer shouldn't do that, but you have to be careful with that because if, if you're going to, you know, when you start talking to somebody about being saved, it's really understanding what that is and understanding some of the theology behind that because you're going to get asked some very tough questions. And, and have faith and trust that God will give you those answers, but God might give you those answers through another mature Christian. And so I think we know, and I think, you know, an important point for what Frank is talking about is the farther we get away from the day we got saved, the more comfortable we are being saved, the more we rely on, on grace in Christ and not worrying about my sin because all my sins paid for and we start to cheapen grace. And I think that's, it's a good cautionary note is to just remember we're not supposed to sin and we should be you know, if we sin, we need to confess that to the Lord, and we need to repent from that, and we need to turn away. And sometimes we get comfortable in our sin because we know and understand and have faith that we're saved, but we don't really do a good job of acting out on that. And so I think you can, but it, you just have to be cautious as a new believer going out to make sure that you're ready, and it would be better if you, if you worked in tandem with a, a mature believer.